You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless. If you've got your Bibles, go to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. We, we've just celebrated our country's Independence Day. We've just celebrated our desire for freedom as a country. Uh, we as a country, 244 years ago, longed for freedom to be able to worship the way that we wanted to worship freely without persecution and the idea of freedom freedom is at the core of what the scriptures teach us the the theme of freedom runs throughout almost every fiber of the text um I think of texts like Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 where it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, Jesus echoed this in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Because he, Jesus came to set men and women free. Amen? Amen? Like he's... Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, came to set men and women free. He is in the business of bringing freedom to men and women all over the globe. In fact, like I said, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he echoed Isaiah and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim liberty to those that are captive and to recover the sight of the blind and to set at liberty... Those who are oppressed. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. So we've got Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse that shows us that that the idea of freedom runs throughout the entire story of the Bible. But not only do we have the text to support this, but we also... We see men and women personally. How many of you in this room have seen men and women personally who have been set free from the the oppressive nature of sin, death, and hell? I would hope all of us could, we could raise our hands because we are those people. Amen? Jean's got her hand up. Amen? We're the people. You and I are those kind of people. We've been set free from the oppressive nature of sin, death, and hell. We, We see captives who have been ensnared in chains of sin be broken free by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and this morning I want us to see that this message is still a relevant message for us in 2020 like I said our country is celebrating freedom right this moment 244 years ago we as a nation said we wanted freedom to be able to worship God freely so a ragtag, if you ever, let me just give you, there's a, there's a story by, how many of you guys know who Kirk Cameron is? So Kirk Cameron has, has a film out called Mon- Monumental. I would 
suggest everyone take time to watch that film. Incredible film about a statue that's on the, on the very far east coast. And that statue literally gives the story of why we as a nation were birthed, why we were born. This ragtag group of rebels headed towards a new landmass known as America to pursue the freedom of worship, to worship Jesus and advance the Christian faith. And there's a lot, and right now, everyone, this is like the narrative is, no, 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 Caleb, that is not true. America is an oppressive nation, and we, we didn't come here to, to, to worship Jesus. We came here to oppress people, and it's an oppressive colonial state, and it's evil, and all these other things. Well, if you read our founding documents, the Mayflower Compact, one of the first official documents that were written by men and women who came here for freedom... They wrote, they wrote this out in the Mayflower Compact. Here's one of the part of the opening stanzas. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Can anyone help me understand what that means? I don't know what that means. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. If you all don't think that we weren't founded on biblical principles, you've got another thing coming. You've got to understand and realize that the the men and women who came to this country 244 years ago, this place, actually a little further than 244 years ago, but the men and women who came here, the pilgrims who came here initially were coming for persecution. They, They were trying to escape persecution. They wanted to worship Jesus freely without being persecuted by the 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 church. Not the church, like the Bible church, but the Catholic church. They were killing folks like us that wanted to worship Jesus freely and actually read the Bible on our own. That was considered treason and you could die for that. So they came here on a voyage. Now I'm going to continue reading this out of the first part of the Mayflower Compact. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and to honor our king and our country, a voyage to plant the first colonial colony to, to, or to place the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. Do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another a covenant to combine ourselves together as a civil body. The goal of what was started in America is the goal of what Jesus had in mind for us as his people. The message is, has a deep application for us in 2020. And I'm praying that we as a body can see and hear the message of hope out of the text this morning and understand that this message is a message of freedom. So I want us to read in Exodus chapter 6. Go to Exodus chapter 6 and we're going to start in verse 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. 
And we're going to stop there. God has made a promise to us that that is the power to break us free from the prison of sin that you're sitting in this morning. So I, I want it because when we read the text, sometimes what we do is we read it in a Western mindset and we don't think about the actual words that are on the paper. So I want us to take your pens. If you've got a pen, you can don't be afraid to write in your Bible. It's okay to, to make notes and write something in your Bible. So when the word you see here in verse six, where he says, I am the Lord your God and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. So when you read the word Egyptians, what we typically do is when we read the word Egyptians, we just see the word Egyptians and we think of pyramids and pharaohs and things like that. Well, all throughout the Bible, Egypt, Egypt, were you really going to, were you thinking the song? You were thinking the song. I knew it. Like they get, walk like an All right. Fair enough. You're, I told you, you got a Western mindset. But when you read the word Egyptians, I want you to take your pen and I want you to write beside it, sin. Because every time Egypt is mentioned in the text, it is a symbol of sin. Every time. Egypt is a symbol or a type of sin. So you can write in here, you can put in here, I am the Lord your God and I will bring you out from under the burden of your sin. Woo, that changes the whole, the whole meaning of it. When you start to read it like that, God will bring you out from under the burden of your sin. Like, that's an incredible message. This is a message that says, I'm going to break you free from the prison cells that you're currently sitting in. Jesus has the power to bring us out of darkness and into light. Amen? Okay, one of you. Anybody else listening? Wally was listening. Is anyone else listening? Because we can change the tone of the whole message and we can go hellfire and brimstone if you want. All right, just check. All right. <laughs> i got to stick to the notes. But he has the power to bring us out from darkness and into light. And this is, this is a message that is there's not even close to being able to compare with anything else. This message is absolutely the most supreme message. He's promised to hold our hands with great compassion. How do we know? Because the text tells us. I will deliver you from slavery. To them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be whose people? My people. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of your sin. I, I brought you out. He's promised us that He will be our God and that we will be His people. Now, People say, well, wait a minute, Caleb, I, you're reading this and this was written to Israel and not to me personally. Yes, that is true. This was written to Israel, but it has an application for you. Let me ask you a question. In Ephesians chapter one, did it say you were adopted into the family? That's a question. It did. It says you were adopted as sons. So guess what? You're adopted into the family. So this text has application for you. So therefore, God promises us that he will be our God and that we will be his people. And this should cause in us so much hope. It should cause in us so much joy. This should stir up our affections for our great God and King. 
But sadly, many of us, just as, the ch- just as the children of Israel, we get bogged down in the world in which we live. We get bogged down with addictions. We get bogged down with our sins. And we don't listen. You say, well, what do you mean we don't listen? Well, keep reading in the text. So Moses, in verse 9, Moses says this to the people of Israel. But they did not listen to Moses. Because their broken spirit and they lived in harsh slavery. So I want us to think about this for just a few minutes. We do the exact same thing that the children of Israel have done. We get bogged down with all the stuff and we don't listen to what Jesus says. Jesus has it written out plainly for us in the Bible. And we do not listen to him because we get bogged down with so much other things in the world. How many of y'all have a lot of irons in the fire? A couple of you? I know that we do. We got irons in the fire. I, and sometimes we can get so iron dependent. I don't know. I'm, I'm not even putting that in my notes. I'm just using that one. Jamie's nervous. We're, we, get so, we get so dependent on what's going on in the world in which we live. And we've got all these things. I can make all this happen. I can make things happen. I can hustle. I can grind. I can go. I can move. And we get so focused on those things and we don't listen because we're so either so dependent on ourselves we've made ourselves the god of our own universe and so we've got all these things going on in our mind and we think man i, I just i've got so much happening and we don't listen <clears throat> we ignore the god of the universe because we're so consumed with our own lives and we miss the life that god has promised that he wants to give us because we try to figure it out on our own. I got this on my own. I got to, I'll figure this out my own way. Yeah, we're occupied with goals and plans that we miss out on what God has called us into. God's called us into something way bigger and way more grand than we can even begin to comprehend. And the things that we're trying to hustle and grind and get excited for aren't always the best things to get excited for. And we can miss... We can miss God's plan for us if we're not paying attention. If we're not listening to what God's done on our behalf. Like he's laid it out in the text. This is what I've called. This is what, I'm, this is what I want to do. I want to deliver you from the slavery that you're in. Well, God, I know you want to. But man, have you been in that pit? It's awesome. I love my slavery pit. How do we, how do we know that we love our slavery pit? Because we get into it every time. We're presented with sin. We're presented with the opportunity to sin. And we don't shun and run from it. We just sort of kind of like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just cozy into it. Just relax. And, man, it's got a cushion back to it. It's nice. I like my sin. Brian Chappelle tells us that the reason we sin is because we love to. The reason we sin is because we love to. We get so occupied that we ignore the life that God has set up. A life of absolute, true abundance. Not the abundance like Joel Osteen talks about, but like the abundance that Jesus talks about. An everlasting abundance that will have lasting fulfillment. We chase the stuff of the world like a dog chases his tail. And once we get it, we hold on to it and we scream because it's painful. Man. Wow. 
All the while, the king of the universe is willing, ready, and able to transform your life. To change your heart from a cold, dead, wicked sinner into a redeemed, redeemed and forgiven saint. Mm. Some of us have broken spirits in this place, even maybe today. Some of us have lived under the harsh consequences of slavery and sin for far too long. I want you to know something, that Jesus, the King, is here. Today is the day of salvation. And you have, once again, another opportunity to repent. Stop looking at the world around you and thinking that it's going to be this bright and flashy, amazing thing. Stop thinking that it's, it's, it's too big. I don't, because we get one, we get one way, we get two spectrums. We get one person that says, man, the world is just amazing. I love just getting into it. Then we've got the other group that says, man, it's just too big. I don't think I can overcome this sin. I don't think I can do this. I just don't know. I, I don't think I can. I'm going to go ahead and just lovingly tell you, you can't overcome any of it. But Jesus already did. Jesus already overcame everything. When he said on the cross, it is finished, that's what he meant. It's finished. Your struggle is finished. Your sinful desires are finished. It's over with. He took care of the war. He won the war on the cross. When Jesus said it's finished and he took out his last breath, and on that third day when when the rock rolled away and he came back to life, We were justified before a holy God. And so you have the opportunity. Jesus has already done the work to overcome your sin. Jesus did. Jesus has already done what's necessary to bring you into a right relationship with the God of the universe. There's nothing that our great God and King cannot do. Amen? There's nothing that he cannot do. The hope of our nation. Now listen to me. I'm making a... Okay, Caleb, you're getting ready. To, are you getting ready to make a political statement? No, I'm getting ready to make a biblical statement. The hope of our nation is Jesus Christ. Period. And if we don't have our hope foundationally focused on Christ and Christ alone, we are going to get sorely let down. We're going to have no other opportunities for hope. Because Jesus is it. I'm going to promise you in 10,000 years, no one is going to be saying, man, I wish I had given more money to this certain party. I wish I had gone to more political party reaction committees. I wish that, no. In 10,000 years, you're going to say, man, I'm so thankful I clung to the word. I'm so glad that the word was engrafted into my heart. I'm so glad that that the Lord and the king of the universe was the king of my heart. There's nothing that our great God and King cannot do. The hope for our homes, the hope for our cities, the hope for our counties, the hope for our nation is Jesus and Jesus alone. And some of us this morning need to just take a moment and be still before the Lord and listen to what he says. What does he say? I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burden of your sin. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm 
And with great acts of judgment, I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of your sin. I will bring you into the land that I promised, that I swore to give to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. Why? Because I'm God. I am the Lord. Like, here's the thing. The enemy, Satan, shouts lies at us constantly. Like, there was a time and a place when the enemy whispered things. But man, he he is a full... He's given to the position. He has the position now where he is a full frontal assault on everything that is good, right, and holy. And Satan shouts these lies into our ears that opposes what God says. And oftentimes what happens is we listen. We listen to what is being shouted into our ears Rather than what's being whispered into our hearts. I want you to, like, Jesus says that it's a still, small voice that is his voice. He's not, it's a still, small voice. The enemy is shouting in us constantly. Through our televisions, through the internet, through our phones. He is shouting at you right now. That this is what you should believe, this is what you should do, this is where you should go, this is what you should pledge your allegiances to. And all the while Jesus is saying, listen, I'm here. I can deliver you. I can deliver you. I can bring you in. I'll be your God. You'll be my kids. I can deliver you. But we don't listen to what's being whispered into our hearts. We rather listen to what's being shouted into our ears. Jesus has offered you and I freedom. He's offered us hope and an everlasting life. And I'll be honest, now is the time that we need to be paying attention to what he has in his word. Now is the time that we need to be studying God's word more than we've ever studied before. This is the time when we need to be reading this and pouring over this like a love letter. Not just sort of kind of just something, just, yeah, uh, yeah. But let me just, let's go with an example here. Husbands, if, how many of your, your wife, has your wife ever written you a little note? Maybe a little letter? Nobody? A couple of you? Okay. My wife has written me, oh my goodness, come on guys. Don't, don't, don't chicken out. She's, she's written you a note. I promise she probably has it. And in some point during your marriage, there's been a little note from her. And in the midst of that, if I just looked at that note and halfway just read it and just like, yeah, 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 and just threw it off to the side, that's not that big of a deal. Like we're going to miss something. There may have been something she was trying to tell me in the, in the note. I need to read. And there are things that she's written me and I've, I've poured over and I've read. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. That's, I love that mess. Oh, wow. And there may be even certain things in the letter that only you and her know. That nobody has so if if Tyler read it, he'd be like, what does that mean? This is a love letter that is written. That's the reason the world, the outside world, reads this. And they're like, this thing, what is wrong? That's that's weird. The scriptures say that 
That the cross is folly. It's silliness to a perishing world. This book is silliness to a perishing world. But that those that have been redeemed by the ransom and ransomed by the king, you read this as a love letter. And there's certain things and you read this. Like this morning in Sunday school, we're reading in 2 Samuel where we see this story unfold where Mephibosheth, that's a great name by the way. Mephibosheth, whatever. I can't even say it now. He, he gets all of it like he was the crippled grandson of Saul. But because David and, and Jonathan had a blood covenant friendship with one another, this grandson of the enemy is now friends and gets to sit at the table. He's pulled out of Lodabar, the down and the out, the lowest level of a ghetto town. A town of death where there was no word. Jamie said there was no word in that town. John tells us that the word is who? Jesus. And so this young grandson's pulled out of this ghetto dead end town and he sits at the table of the king. You and I get that same invitation because of why? Not because of anything we've done but because of the relationship because of what Jesus did on the cross for us and so when God sees Jesus and Jesus says those are mine those belong to me he says okay welcome them into the table they get to sit at the table you and I get to sit at the table of the king because of what Jesus did for you and I because of what Jesus did on our behalf we get to sit at the king's table and eat dinner as his sons and his daughters How amazing does that make our God? Jesus is offering freedom. We shout it and we tout it as Americans. Freedom. Home of the free. Land of the brave. Here we are. This is the ultimate message of freedom. This is the ultimate message of reconciliation and redemption. And oftentimes what happens is we're just like the children of Israel and we don't listen. I don't want to listen. Why do I not want to listen? Because I'm so bogged down in sin, I can't see anything else but what's in front of me. Guys, just take a second and just breathe out and let the Word of God wash over you and understand that He is come so that you may have life and have, more, have life more abundantly. John 10. Jesus has come. Jesus has come to bring us back to life. Like God, that's a message that should change our world. To change our cities. That should change everything about us. That Jesus loved us this much. And this is where, this is, like, listen. This is what our country was founded on. Our country was founded on God's word. Have we gone astray? Absolutely we've gone astray. And this is why I keep saying, we as a country we need to repent. And where does it start? It starts at the church. It starts at the doorstep of the church. That's where repentance begins. Because when we begin to repent and we begin to follow Christ and we begin to be salt and light, then what happens when we become salt and light in a dark and dying world? We bring light and we dispel darkness and salt preserves righteousness, goodness. That's what you and I are called to do. 
Don't, don't take this for granted. Don't take what we have for granted because I'm telling you, I believe firmly there's coming a day and it's coming very quickly. It's, it's, I can tell you this much. Is we're done one day sooner to the return of Christ than we were yesterday. That's how about that. I can tell you that much. We're one day closer to the return of Christ. And if we believe, here's the thing. If we believe that Jesus is coming again, we should be acting like and be excited about talking about the first time he came. So that we could share the good news. If we believe truly that God is coming again, and I believe he is, then we need to be expectant. And we need to be telling others. We need to be unashamed. We need to be telling folks about who Jesus is. And not shrinking away from the opportunity. Not closing ourselves up in our homes and our churches and saying, okay, this is our place and we'll just huddle in. No, go and spread the good news. Well, so Caleb, some places might not take us in very welcomingly. We may, we may get spit on. We might get punched. We might get forsaken. We might get made fun of. Maybe. Maybe. Read the Bible. It happened to almost all the disciples. It happened to Jesus. But yet you think you're going to be spared suffering. We're not going to be spared suffering. Jesus says this is coming for you. If you follow Christ, the world will not like you. But this is why we need to be ever more excited. Because we're as those dark days, Luke says, as those dark days begin to come around, lift your head up because your redemption is drawing nigh. Your redemption is drawing near. This is the message that I have for us this morning is that freedom is at hand. Freedom from your sin. Eternal freedom. Not just temporary, momentary freedom, but eternal freedom is at hand. And it's available for you. Why shun that gift? Why? I'm pleading with you this morning that if you're here and you don't know Christ, that you would repent and you would ask Jesus to forgive you. And he promises us that he will. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and he's just. But if you say, no, not me, I'm good. I can promise you, you get what you deserve. But if you confess, He is faithful and He's just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. That is a message of hope. 